I was challenged this morning by someone, and I appreciate this as a pastor, those of you that know me, I will not shy away from anything. Uh, we need to study from the Word of God. But for those who have visiting today, we believe in expounding the Word of God verse by verse that we might understand what it says. But especially in light of some things that just happened recently in Boston, there's a good challenge on how do you balance loving your enemies and talking about justice and how things should be handled. And I think that's a very, very good question. And I think it deserves the study of God's word in a presentation. So in saying that to you, I want you to be aware so you can be in prayer for me. It is my intent to take that to heart. I was thinking of doing it in Proverbs in the evening, but I'm going to uh, take it before the Lord and try to address that on Sunday mornings. So uh, be in prayer for me. I plan on studying that, whether it be a one or two part message, to just to deal with appropriate. It's a very practical thing. So be in prayer for me. I will address that in the very near future uh, by God's grace. But I, if those of you that know me, I want to study it. I'm just not going to give you it off the cuff, though I could do that, I believe, standing right now. All right, Titus chapter 1, having said that, verses 10 through 16 is our text, which I don't think we'll get through all of it, but we'll try. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth to the pure. All things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but by their deeds, they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless. For any good deed. Let's pray. Our Father in God, we come before you with an open heart. How we need truth. Father, we are deceived by so many. This is nothing new. It has been here since the foundation of the world. But Father, it is so important for us to discern the truth and to know what your word says. So we pray, Father, as we continue in this study, that we'd see the seriousness of even this topic and how important it is to every person in this room, whether they're attending here for the first time and the only time today, or whether a regular attendee. Father, we need your help, and we thank you for the word of God, and we pray that it would accomplish its purpose like a two-edged sword, that it would pierce even to the thoughts and intents of our own hearts, 
You know what's going on in every life in this room right now. What our thoughts are, where our, our mind is wandering, what is going on, and we need to hear from you, the one true living God. And we pray that you'd accomplish your purpose in this time together with the time remaining, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Why do we need strong biblical leadership was the title of the message, and you'll see why I have that as a title in a minute. But the fact of the matter is, with everybody, if we're honest, today there is so much confusion, not just because of what just recently happened, but there is so much confusion even within the true church of Jesus Christ. People are absolutely confused. What is right? What is wrong? What is the truth? What is just tradition? There is fear. There is confusion about tolerance and the level of tolerance that we should have. The concept of bigotry. And so all the lines are smeared and, and people are struggling to know what is the truth and who is right and can anybody be right? Let me tell you something right now this morning. There is truth. And the only one that is right is God. No man, no religion, with all of the traditions, can say that they're uninfluenced by their own thinking. But God, who created the universe, God who created, as we just read during the dedication, man in his own image and likeness knows the truth and is the truth. And that is what we need to know. For those of you that happen to be visiting today because of the family dedication, I will tell you very strongly, and I say this to the congregation all the time, you have no reason to listen to me. There are too many false teachers in this world. Your guideline, your security, your help <coughs> is the truth of the, <coughs> the word of God, which you can read independently and objectively, then subjectively as an individual. And that is what you need. There are too many, including myself, when I grew up that knew that the Bible was supposed to be the truth and never read it but took what everybody else said about it and was led astray in many areas. In chapter 1 of the book of Titus that we are going through, Paul has been urging Titus, if you just look back to verse 5 of chapter 1, Paul has been urging Titus to get to the task of appointing elders in every church in Crete. That was his task. Get back to it. He was to appoint strong biblical leadership. Qualified men, according to verses 5 through 9. Qualified men determined by whom? By God. They are not qualified if they don't know God. And I will tell you that boldly. Any priest, rabbi, minister, pastor that stands in a pulpit, that leads a congregation, that does not know God has no right to be doing what they're doing. None. 
The first qualification to represent God is to know who he is. And religious gob helps with none of that. He is to be known according to the qualifications that we have studied together. That man of God is to be known by a godly private life. To be known as a person who has leadership within his own family life. He is to be known as exemplary in public life. And he is to be absolutely sound doctrinally. And without those qualifications, I don't care if it's a seminary education or there's three doctorate degrees that follow the name, they should not be standing representing God. And so be the fear that should be in their hearts when they stand and answer to God if they don't meet those qualifications. The qualifications by God is not the way man looks at qualifications. The qualifications is not by popularity, who can win the most votes. It is not even by education. And I emphasize and believe the scriptures do the importance of solid, strong education. But education in and of itself does not qualify a person to stand and represent God. And it is certainly not where we are in the 21st century, and that is that qualifications for leadership is based upon who is politically correct. Listen, men, women, boys, and girls, souls are in the balance. We are not to be here to be politically correct so we don't offend anybody. We need to teach the truth. And anyone in that position needs to be there for that reason. It has got nothing to do with business savvy and how well a person is able to conduct business and meet the qualifications. Just this week, again, I tell the congregation, I get this all the time, just this week came across my desk a conference that I was invited to on leadership, and I looked down the speakers, and I looked down what they were emphasizing, and it's just how, with business savvy, we need to run the church of God. That is not the way you run the church of God. It has got nothing to do with social trendiness. Too often, people are confused by those things. Well, we have learned in our study of the Word of God so far that that is not the way qualified men were to be put into office. That Titus had a responsibility in this first chapter to put people into office who met those qualifications. And it is so different from the standards that we find today in religious circles, none to be accepted, including those that are professing the name of Jesus Christ. These men are not to be just political figureheads. They are not to just be some religious clergy to be elevated to a position of special treatment as a diplomat. It matters not what they wear or what they look like. That is not the purpose of a man of God that is to be leading in the name of God. Why? Because their task, verse 9, look at it, to lead to verse 10, their task is very serious and it is a tremendous responsibility. According to verse 9 of chapter 1, 
they were to hold fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching. Why? So that he will be able both, we saw this in our study, to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. That's not political correctness. They had to know the truth is given by God and the saints of God and the apostles of God. They were not to add to it. They were not to take from it. Then they were to teach it. No man uh, has the right in the name of God to teach their own political views or their own personal feelings. They have a responsibility to encourage believers by sound doctrine how to live for God. And they also have the responsibility, though it is not accepted by our society today, to rebuke strongly false teachers. Why? They are to oppose and contradict them with sound doctrine because they are affecting people's souls and damning them to hell. And in case you don't think that's a serious issue, the Lord Jesus Christ, the meek and mild Savior that came into this world, pulled no punches as he looked at the religious leaders who were the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he looked them right in the eye and he said, you are making people more children of hell by your teaching. Looking right at the religious leaders. Why is this so? Why is it important to have people that are going to have the courage to stand up for the word of God? Well, as we continue on in our study, the first thing I have in the outline there for you is because of the pr proliferation of false teachers. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says this. For, that's a reason. He is explaining what he has just taught. Why he is to put them into power. Why these men are to be so strong and to know the word of God and to be examples. We have too many people that are in leadership that are not examples for our children to follow and they're not examples for adults to follow. But the reason is, for there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, verse 10. I want you to notice that. It says that the reality is, watch, there are what? What's the next word? Many. Many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers. We think that because a person dresses a certain way, or because a certain name is attached to them, that that gives them some type of religious authority, and we have a tendency to believe because they're either a clergy member, or a priest, or a rabbi, or a monk, and I've traveled in various areas of the world, and various religions have different people that lead their religions. And the tendency to think is because of those positions, they are men or even women of God with religious authority. That is not so. There are many who are sheep, supposedly, but they're really wolves in sheep's clothing. And the problem is, many end up following their ways. Turn with me, keep your finger here. It says, for many of them. I'll come back to those words. Go with me to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. I want you to see this. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. 
Notice verse 1. You have this as a reading. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be, watch, false teachers among you. Who's saying this? Peter. Peter, who is the rock, and who is referred to that way. Peter says that there is false teachers and there will be among you, watch this, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing, watch this, swift destruction upon themselves. And then he says this, it's frightening. Verse 2, many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. Will be maligned. What will be maligned? The truth. Even the Bible will be maligned because of these false teachers. Many. What about, here we are in the 21st century, Pastor Dan. Is there any practicality to this? Turn with me a few pages away. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Listen, this is strong stuff. We need to hear it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Watch. But realize this. Talk about practicality. Listen carefully. See if this does not describe the day and age in which you and I live. Be honest and listen. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Why? He tells you. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure more than, or rather than lovers of God. Now watch this. Holding to a form of godliness, although they deny its power. What does he say? Put your arms around them and flock to their churches. Really? Listen. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into, watch this, households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins. That was a very practical situation. Women even who had lost husbands and are vulnerable and they just basically thrive on that type of thing and destroy people like that. It's frightening. He says, as he goes on, led on by various impulses, always learning, watch this, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They say they have it. And then he even names, imagine to have the boldness to name people, just as Janies and Jambres oppose Moses, so that these men also oppose the truth, men of deprived minds, rejected in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as he names the men again. That is a picture of what is going on today. How does this happen? 
How do false teachers just get in among us? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's done under the name of God. It is done by people who are professing that they know God, that stand and are afraid to stand for the truth. And they're so washed down that they're leading people astray. How? I'm going to tell you how. Number one, by traditions. By traditions. I would challenge you right in this room. How many of you are doing things and believing things, not because you've studied the truth, but because you've been told by tradition, this is what you ought to do? Do you know how many religions on the face of the earth that people are following religious leaders right on down the path of hell? Because they're just following according to tradition. And I'll tell you why. Because they're afraid and they know nothing else. And they're afraid to leave what they have because they don't want to get to their deathbed and they're so scared. You know why? Pastor Chris stood up here this morning and I can tell you the same thing. That I don't have a fear. If the Lord happened to sh have me shot when I walked out of here because of what I said this morning, so be it. My life is in the hands of the Lord, and I have absolute assurance that I would be in the presence of God because of the work of Jesus Christ. But there are so many, so many, that following after traditions, and they're so afraid to give up their religion, quote, unquote. Why? Your eternal soul rests in the balance. Isn't it a tragedy? And I have seen these situations. You saw one last week, last Sunday night. For example, in the, not to pick on any particular situation, but you saw it in the Indian religion. And I'm talking about in India. That religion. Wasn't it a sad visual aid to see older men in their 80s <clears throat> going down to a river that, first of all, was polluted? And this is real life, folks and hoping that they can pour the water over them to wash away their sins because they have no assurance. What a tragic situation. That water isn't going to take away any of their sins. What a sad situation to be on your deathbed and have to have somebody come and give the ceremony of extra unction because you are not sure whether or not you're going to heaven and they're praying the hope that you're going to get there. I don't want to go to my deathbed with lack of assurance. Imagine going through life and never knowing whether you've done a good, enough good works, hoping that maybe my good works have outweighed my bad. Are you kidding? I don't want to rest my eternal destiny on that. Do you? And you're going to die. I experienced firsthand, Pastor Chris said he wasn't afraid. As I shared with the congregation, the situation, not knowing what a day may bring, my son calls me at one moment, rejoicing in them having their first child. Within a 12-hour period, I receive another phone call that my same son is in a life and death situation. Like that. And I can tell you firsthand, my wife was witness to it, that at 2 o'clock in the morning, after listening to the emergency room that was dealing with my son and the situation and them screaming for him because they were about to put him on life support because of the situation, 
that I had assurance in my heart as I turned to my wife and as I prayed that Philippians 4 was real. That be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, make all your requests be made known to the Lord and the peace of God that passeth all understanding will guard your heart and mind. And I turned over and was able to go to bed before I flew down the next day because I had the assurance of the word of God. Folks, there is too much in the name of religion that's false today. There's too much of a sense of false security when people know that their life is going to end and they go to their deathbeds holding on to a religion. I don't want to hold on to any religion. I want to hold on to the truth of the word of God. And I want you to see how serious God is about it. Turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. I'm never going to get past page 3 on my notes. Galatians, chapter 1. I am so burdened as a pastor. When I saw the tragedy that happened in our state, and as I said, that challenge was an excellent challenge to me, and I'm going to take it. And I will address that. But how sad. Is it important that we understand truth? Let me give you the Apostle Paul's view. This isn't Pastor Dan's view. This isn't even just Peter's alone, as we talked about him with false teachers. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul. Now, for those of you that don't know the background of the Apostle Paul, let me give it to you in a nutshell. This man hated Christianity. He was a Jewish man, a well-educated man, a rich man. He had all of the right traditions that you could ever want. He was born in the right family. He was connected to the right tribe of Israel, and on and on it goes. He gave his own credentials. You know what he counted all of that as? Dung. Manua. That's what he counted it as. Why? To know Christ. He was actually out to persecute those who would say the things that I'm saying. And to believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and that no one could get to heaven on good works. And he's out there going to pull people into prison and having them put to death. And Jesus Christ himself knocks him down on the Damascus Road. And he comes face to face with the one true living God. And he says, what are you doing? And God changed that man's life so that now he becomes a preacher of the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? Listen, it is not, this is not good news. Now, with my background, here is what I thought was good news. Did I believe that Jesus Christ came into the world? Yes, I did, as a young boy. Did I believe that he died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world? Yes, I did. Did I believe that he was resurrected on the third day? Yes, I did. Was I a believer? No, I wasn't. You say, what in the world are you talking about? You just said you believed all those things. Yes. My understanding was that he opened the gates of heaven so that now if my good works outweighed my bad works based upon what I did, I might be able to get into heaven. He opened the gates of heaven. False. That's religion. He didn't accomplish something so that I could then earn it. He did it all. It is on the basis and solely on the basis of God's accepting that sacrifice that gives anyone forgiveness of sins. It gives anyone eternal life. It isn't trying to get through some prayers. It isn't going through church. 
He isn't going through any church. He isn't going through any person. In fact, other than Christ, the Lord was so strong that he said this. There is no other mediator among men by, whereby we must be saved. None. The only one is the man, Jesus Christ. Because God so loved the world that he sent him to die on the cross of Calvary, not so that I could be good to get to heaven and do it on some good works. Every religion in the face of the earth, religion, name anyone you want, is all based on a system of good works. Why do you think people bomb people and even do those things? You know why? To win favor with a God. Sorry, folks. The only one that can win favor with God was himself. And he did it himself through sending his son. Now, the apostle Paul, before his name got changed, hated that religion. He hated Christianity. Now listen to what he says once he came to know that that is true. Watch this, Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to go back to verse 3 for a second so you understand it. Uh, go back to verse 1. Paul, he's an apostle, not sent from men. When he was sent from men, he was trying to put Christians in prison. Not through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And he says, grace and peace in verse 3 through the Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, verse 4, who gave himself, who did? The Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ, gave himself, why? He tells you, for our sins. What's the purpose of that? He tells you, verse 4, so that he, not us, he might rescue us from this present evil age. How does he do that? through his son. Now he's writing to the church of Galatia, and I pick it up in verse 6. He says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him, that is Jesus Christ, who called you by the grace of God. Now watch this. For a different, <clears throat> and in English that's just the word different, the word there really means different kind. For a different kind of gospel, which is really not another. What do you mean? Literally, he's saying there, I'm so amazed that you are leaving the true gospel for a different gospel. What is a different gospel? Anything that would say the work of Christ plus man-made religion, tradition, anything that I have to do, which he says in verse 7, it's really not another gospel of the same kind. It's a works mentality. Only there are some who are, watch this, verse 7, who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Why do they disturb people? Why do they distort the gospel of Christ? Because people want to hold on to religion, whatever that might be. Now watch how strong Paul gets, verse 8. But even if we, he includes himself, he includes people like Peter, Timothy, Titus. Now watch what he says. But even if we are an angel from heaven, forget about the TV programs with all those angels. This is a real angel. An angel from heaven, watch what he says. Should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. 
You know what that word, that's a very nice way in English of saying what he said there. Might they be condemned to hell? Who? Anyone. Religious figure or not? Angel or not? You know why he says that, by the way? Some of you may not know this. Do you know that Satan is an angel? He's a fallen angel, but he's an angel. Do you think that Satan is at work? Let me tell you something. I won't turn you there, but Corinthians makes it very clear that Satan presents himself as an angel of light to deceive people. Into thinking what? Into thinking they can do anything to get forgiveness of sins and anything to earn salvation. And he says, if even an angel comes along and preaches that, let him be damned to hell. For what? Why? Verse 9, as we have said before, so say I now again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel that's contrary to what you received, let him be accursed. Why? He tells you, verse 10. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Who am I to please? Or am I striving to please men? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. Do you think I would preach a bold message like this this morning if I was concerned about men? I would venture to guess that most people that hear this message would be appalled at what I'm saying. I could care less. Why? Because I really don't care? No, it's because I do care for your souls. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is not to be fooled around with. There are many that find the path that lead to destruction. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7? We need God's message, and we need God's good news. The word gospel means good news. What's the good news? Do you think it's really good news that you could go through life and try to earn your way to heaven and then die and never know whether you had enough works to get there? What kind of good news is that? What type of good news is the better news? Let me ask you that before I read this passage. Do you think this would be good news to you? that, yeah, you have a mortgage that you owe $300,000 on, and I'm going to reduce the interest rate from 7% to 1%, and, and maybe by the time you die, you might have it paid off. Does that sound like good news? Or is this a little better news? You know what? You have a $300,000 mortgage, and you can't pay it. And you know, I'm going to tell you what I'll do. I'll pay it off. You don't know anything. But all you have to do is put faith in reality that I just went down and paid the bank. And it's gone. That to me sounds like good news. What God has done is said, I don't want to make you better so that you can hope that you've got enough to buy your lifetime. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Listen carefully to what that verse says that you see at all the athletic games that whosoever, now listen, here it is, believes in him will not perish, but has now and will continue to have later eternal life. How does that happen? 
I did the work by sending my son. You believe in him, not in religion. Not in any man. In Matthew 7, I wanted you to go there. Listen to this. Verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. Why? For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads someplace. Where does it lead? To destruction. Well, maybe only a few go there. Verse 13. And there are, what's the next word? Many who enter in. Why? For the gate is small. The way is narrow that leads to life. How does that happen? Listen to John 14, 6. Jesus Christ said, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except it be through me. Why? Because he paid the penalty and price. Say, I don't know. Let's go on. Verse 15. Beware of false prophets. That's what we're talking about this morning. You needed God, good, strong, godly men because of false prophets. Watch verse 15. Who come to you in sheep's clothing. They look good. They look fine. They look religious. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by the fruits. You will. And jump down to verse 21, please. Open your ears. Forget about your dinner for about three more minutes. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. You mean there's going to be a day in which people are going to actually stand before God and say, let me into heaven, Lord, God. What's he going to say? Well, let him say it himself. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. What will they say? Give me some practical examples, God. What are they going to say? Many will say to me on that day, what day? The day that you die and leave this world and have to answer to the God who created it all, they will say this, Lord, Lord, now watch, this is works. Did we not prophesy in your name? Yes. In your name, didn't we cast out demons? By the way, can you do that? I can't. There will be people literally that will stand before God and say, I cast out demons in your name. Watch this. And in your name performed not some miracles, not one miracle, many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Is that the end of the story? Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. 
Where will they end up? In hell. Is hell real? I don't believe hell's real, Pastor Dan. Have you ever had this one? I've had this many times said to me, hell's here on earth. Look at what just happened. That is nothing compared to hell. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to shift gears for about two seconds to you believers here this morning. If you really believe hell's real, and you believe hell is exactly the way the Bible describes it, and you can walk out of this building without a burden for the lost and concern for witnessing for Christ, you better examine your own salvation. But there will be many who did all kinds of religious things. It is not religion. And in the chapter that we are dealing with, and we'll have to pick it up next time in that text, but he's warning that we need strong religious leaders because there are many false teachers and they are dooming people to hell because of their traditions, because of the things that they think that they can achieve. If you look at Matthew 7, the whole basis on, is on what they did on a system of works. There is no system of works that gets anyone to heaven, none. Name any religion you want, whether it be Protestant, whether it be Roman Catholic, whether it be uh, Buddhism, whether it be Islam, Whatever the system, if it's built on a system of works, it will never get you to heaven. It is only the work of Jesus Christ. It's a narrow path. We need God's message. Many have quoted this, and I will quote it because time has gone away. How in the world can we know the truth, Pastor Dan? We want to know what the truth. Listen to what Jesus Christ told his disciples in John chapter 8. If you are my disciples, continue in my word. Why? Because you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It'll set you free from religion. It'll set you free from false prophets. It is your test. And you ought to walk out of this building and say to me, say to yourself today, if what Pastor Dan said is true, I want to know for myself. And don't be a fool that says that is just a bunch of religion and you're not intelligent enough to go check it out for yourselves. Check it out for yourselves because I guarantee you will find in this book the truth. That is what Jesus Christ prayed just before he left this earth, that his disciples would be set apart by the truth Thy word is truth. It is your only guard. Religion will change. Religious systems will change. And man's opinions will always change. God is unchangeable. And we learned in Titus chapter 1, God never lies. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father in God, I thank you and praise you for the word of God. As I look in my own life and following religion myself, the things that I pursued, trying to satisfy a heart, never did satisfy. And yet, Father, the truth of your word and the work of Jesus Christ, when a person comes to believe, he has changed as the Apostle Paul was from darkness to light, from death to life, 
from a child of the devil to a child of God. And my heart's prayer for this audience, I don't know many of the people that are here. I pray, Father, for their souls. Lord, search deep down into their souls and hearts. Everyone will face death. And my prayer is that they will be prepared for that, that they would understand the truth of the word of God, not be taken in by false prophets or false religion or people who will lead them astray. Examine the hearts of those who are holding on to traditions that they've never checked out for themselves. All religion leads to hell, but your word and your work leads to eternal life. And I pray that they would come to know Christ. For those of us who know Christ, help us to be bold to preach the true good news, to never be ashamed of it, and that, Father, we would be really burdened for those who don't know Christ, not only to pray, but help our witnessing to be bold, not to please men, but to please God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.